This is Other Voices. We're listening to varied views from local people who might otherwise not be heard. I'm Melissa Hale Spencer, editor of the Altamont Enterprise, which focuses on Albany County, New York. You can reach me at mhs at altamontenterprise.com. I'm talking to Jason Houck of East Burn. He loves his two daughters, but hasn't spoken to them in eight years. He was divorced in 2011 and said he shared equal time with his daughters until 2013. Houck's loss has inspired him to push for changes in the law to spare others the pain he has endured. He chairs the New York affiliate of the National Parents Organization, which is pushing for changes in state law that would make it more likely, after parents divorce or separate, to have their children spend half their time with each of their parents, as long as those parents are fit and loving. Well, the report card I found shocking. I saw it on your website. And New York and Rhode Island are considered, in your organization's report card, the two worst states um, when it comes to shared parenting. So if you could just tell us a little about that, I think that would be interesting. It says that um, New York is considered a battleground state having introduced one of the largest numbers of shared parenting bills, 11, since 2014, but none have passed. So how how does that happen? Yeah, New York and Rhode Island, and, and when they say we have an F in shared parenting, that what that means is that there's no current legislation in the books regarding shared parenting for our children. So the norm still being that 6535 or going by case law can be obstructed through many different counties. Uh, in New York, we each have, you know, there's 62 counties in New York. So all of the judges and the municipalities could opt to do different ways. And a lot of things, a lot of people do things by case law. Um, but we're, what we're trying to do is just create such a simple step of saying that if both parents are fit and willing, um, that the 50-50 presumption should be there after separation and divorce. It's, it's essentially that simple. Um, I know that there's uh, some people out there that have a lot of questions, and I would encourage anyone to always email me if there's any questions. Um, but you would think that something so simple would pass. Now, 11 bills in the last seven years, um, that, it, that is – that is number is surprising. We it's actually been since 2001 when a bill was first entered into New York state legislators and that bill, we've never been out of committee to be able to get a vote for shared parenting. Our bills will get entered. They'll go to committee, whether it be the judiciary committee or the children and families committee. And then the, it stalls out in committee and we can never get any further. Could you just reflect a little on how we in New York and maybe other places across the country got in this mindset of the idea that after a divorce or separation, Children go to the mother, the father supports <laughs> with payments. But how, how did we develop, do you have thoughts on 
why we're here, why that is such a common, and that's why I found your survey so exciting, because it shows that that's not what the majority of people want, but yet it seems like the courts are still in that mindset. If you could just reflect a little on where that philosophy came from. So there's, so there's two different mindsets to that. Our, our laws in New York are archaic to where it actually goes back to the 1950s, 1960s for custody, where mom was a stay-at-home mom, mom cooked dinner, mom you know, did the laundry, dad went out, dad was the provider, dad did this. So the laws back then, when these laws had gone into effect, you know, that's the way our society was living in the 1950s and 1960s. Well, in today's society, mom, in many cases, is the breadwinner. Um, you know, moms have careers, dads have careers. So the equality between men and women over the years has just gotten tremendously better. However, our laws still are not getting better. Um, the second portion of that, why, uh, and, th and this is an opinion, why I think that um, the laws haven't changed is because New York State has created an adversarial approach to separation and divorce. Now, what I mean by that is if mom and dad separate or, or two parents, let's not even stipulate mom and dad, you know, because they're same sex marriages and same sex parents as well. And and we don't discriminate between any of them. You know, our best interest is in the child's best interest. Right. So if if the parents separate it right now, New York creates an adversarial approach to where the first person to run to the courthouse and file for divorce may receive child support. So our child support system really creates an adversarial approach to separation and divorce. Instead of unifying a family and creating um, specific laws to be in place to keep the family unit together, automatically, right from the get-go, they want those families split, they want them apart, and that creates a, and generates a revenue and income for uh, the New York State Unified Court System, as well as the attorneys and the bar association, you know, within our state. One of the biggest, one of the biggest um, associations against shared parenting, there, there's two of them. There's the uh, domestic violence groups, which we have not found opposition in New York with the domestic violence groups currently. Um, everything that we've, we've done, you know, seems to be okay. And the people we've spoken to in those groups, you know, understand that shared parenting should be a norm. So we, we haven't necessarily had that issue. Uh, the second uh, por big portion of New York is the Bar Association. Um, there are so many politicians and legislators that are attorneys. Bar Association holds a lot of weight in New York. And if we create an environment where we would need attorneys less well, then they're going to be needed less. So I think that that kind of is a little bit of weight on their shoulders. Um, however, I believe that those things are, are, and those items are myths. I don't think that that's necessarily the case. Isn't that interesting? So the view there with the lawyers is it's part of like a business model to have, have these court battles. But why would domestic violence groups oppose this? What would be their reasoning? They see dad a lot of times as an aggressor. Um, so they don't want, if there's allegations against a parent, 
they don't want the courts to say, well, 50-50 presumption is there. However, that's not what we're talking about here. We're, we're talking about a 50-50 presumption minus domestic violence or unfitness of a parent. Both parents have to be fit for this to work. So we're trying not to even touch the domestic violence side. The, the domestic violence is handled in criminal courts rather than civil courts. Um, so we're trying not to upset that or upset any of the laws for domestic violence with equal shared parents. Yes, you said as a preamble when you first started that this depends on having two fit loving parents. So that would just make it a separate issue. And you're saying that's handled in criminal court, the domestic violence. So Correct. how how many members are there in the New York State chapter of this? Is this a widespread um, group? Hmm. We, we have a team okay. in New York, actually. Um, the, the National Parents Organization and myself, I have anywhere from 30 to 40 volunteers that I reach out to um, periodically, and we try to get a lot of the grassroots efforts going. Um, more importantly, in 2019, I've been doing this since 2014. In 2019, um, I became the chairperson and I wanted our organizations to work together. Instead of four or five organizations working separately on separate bills, I know that there are 11, were 11 bills in place. I wanted to bring all our groups together. So there's a, um, a group out there, which is also not for profit. It's called New York Families for Tomorrow. And what this New York Families for Tomorrow is, is taking it to the home of New York State instead of a national chain of the National Parents Organization. And what we consist of is myself, the National Parents Organization. Um, we have another group called Americans for Equal Shared Parenting. They're actually a 501c4, and they, uh, they promote a lot legislatively rather than grassroots and research. Um, the Father's Rights Movement, they've geared a lot away from father's rights and have gone more in the lines of children's rights um, and shared parenting as well. There's two, uh, there's a mother's group out there. It's called Amazing Mothers Without Custody. And like I said, our, our, the difference between parents uh, isn't necessarily gender biased. Um, so we are looking from the child's aspect. Amazing Mothers Without Custody is, is another tremendous group for those moms that don't necessarily share equal custody with their children and should. Um, and let's face it, it's a lot worse for a mom in a stigma to say, oh, I, I don't have a relationship with my children because of family court or because of the system than it is even for a father. I mean, I think the fathers are um, periodically stereotyped that way. Moms have a little bit more of a stigma to overcome. And there's a lot of moms out there that should have custody that don't. Um, so Amazing Mothers Without Custody is another great group. So I brought, I brought all these groups together to fight legislatively um, in New York and in Albany and to continue to try to press the envelope of, of trying to get equal shared parenting passed in New York. So that's fascinating. So you worked with these different groups and coalesced in order to have a sort of more powerful single voice. Are there particular bills that are going to be pushed in the upcoming legislative session? We have a great bill sponsor. His name is Chris Tague. 
out of uh, Schoharie County. And in 2019, we brought forth a bill which was A9819. To us, that's the cream of the crop bill. That uh, that bill was somewhat simple. It, re, it started with temporary custody orders. It wasn't even for full custody orders. So, hey, let's in New York, let's start on a temp order basis. If it, if it doesn't work, we can scrap it, right? So we started with the temporary custody order bill um, in 2019. That bill went to committee. It didn't go anywhere. Um, in 2020 and 21, we came out with bill a6085. We wanted to simplify things even further. Like 9819 had three components of what needed to change in our in our system and family law. A6085 was specifically for 50-50 rebuttable presumption. Nothing else in the bill. That bill went nowhere. Um, it went to committee. We couldn't even gain any sponsorship on that bill. Um, not Although the issue is nonpartisan, seems as though the Republicans are, are, are sponsoring rather than that Democrats. That was my next question, because Chris Tagg is a Republican, which, of course, is not the powerful party right now in the legislature. So I wondered if it was a, you know, a, bi, a bipartisan kind of initiative. Do you have any sponsors on the Democratic side that you could... Um. We do have a couple sponsors on the Democratic side. Uh, I'd have to look at the bill to see. Um, and again, the, the issue itself is nonpartisan. Although, yes, I do believe that there is uh, that majority minority bill sponsorship that does hold us back a little bit. Um, however, even if, if you're to go to sharedparenting.org and you click on this um, New York poll, it's awesome that over 54 percent of the people polled are democrats so we're not concerned with with the partisanship of the bill it's just trying to get it into the right hands at the right time for the right people to continue to try to make headway um again it's nonpartisan. we we we're trying with everybody and anywhere um so if, if we can get any help along the way, obviously that's always accepted. And I see that Kentucky has passed uh, a law that um, I guess it's the first in the nation that um, addresses this. And are you taking cues from or is it too different <laughs> of a place to take cues from how they were successful? No, it's absolutely. Um, we're trying to emulate what Kentucky did. Kentucky started with the temporary custody order as well. Um, so that's what we chose to do as well with the temporary custody order. Arkansas just passed last year. Arkansas now has the strongest shared parenting uh, legislation in place out of all of the 50 states. Um, currently, there are, I think, 13 other states with shared parenting legislation in place. Um, so yes, we, we do hope this does go national New York being the progressive state that it is right. We, I had always thought we want to be on top of these things. We want to be, we want to be the front runner and the go getter. And, um, we're not necessarily there when it comes to equal shared parenting. And that's, that's one thing that I'm trying to change. Well, locally. Tell us how you got involved. Is it a situation in your own home where you were wanting to be a, a, a parent to your children? How did, how did that unfold? 
Unfortunately, it is. Um, you know, I had my own experiences through family court and the litigation process. Um, if if equal shared parenting was in place in my case, it probably wouldn't have been as much of an issue as it had turned out to be. Um, I was divorced in 2011. I did share equal time with my daughters until 2013. Um, their their mother had moved to a different town, um, and the the uh, normal things started to happen where they wanted to see me every other weekend and one night during the week. And I had become a little bit hardened to that. I, I love my daughters. I was an involved father. Um, I went to all their school functions, all their field trips, kindergarten, you know, they were in Burnox, West Solo, um, kindergarten through fifth grade. And I had done everything as that involved father. Um, 2013, our, the estrangement began in, in our relationship. Um, we had tried father, daughter, family counseling, um, reunification counseling and to no avail that hadn't worked. We began litigation in June of 16. We didn't finish up litigation until January of 2021, five years, seven adjournments in family court to try to get to an ending verdict. Well, at the time of the ending verdict, my older daughter was 18 aged out. My younger daughter was or 19. My younger daughter was 17. A family court's not going to um, have a 17 year old go with a parent that she doesn't want to go with. So although there was no unfitness found in my case, family court kicked the ball down the line so far that the children aged out. And if I had started the process when they were infants or if something happened when they were infants, I may have had a, a chance However, in, in our family court system currently, um, there's a lot of time between adjournments. And, and that's another portion of the family law I'd like to personally change. However, we have to start somewhere, right? So we, we need a building block. And that building block is 50-50 rebuttable presumption. That's just such a sad story. You lost five years just during the court process that you can never get back. Correct. And remember, that was five years, no contact at full child support with no, uh, you know, with no verdict or no found unfitness, maintaining on paper 50-50 joint physical and legal custody. So I have experienced a lot of what is going through um, with a lot of separation and divorce. Um, I, again, I would encourage anyone to reach out because it's it's some trying times through those times as well. Um, that's where I had made it a point to to in order to better our children in New York and to create a better atmosphere for my grandchildren and everybody's children and grandchildren in the future. I need to get involved and we need to try to continue to change laws in New York and create some family law reform and create some equal shared parenting time in New York. So if someone's listening to this and they want to get involved, what, what steps do they take? Like who's eligible and how do they go through a process to become part of the group or movement? They, they can always email me at jasonhauk at sharedparenting.org. Um, they can go to our website, sharedparenting.org, and there's um, options to click for getting involved in volunteer work. We, we need as many volunteers as we can get. We're always out there trying to recruit for, for the cause. And, uh, and, that, and the way that looks is many different types of 
um, jobs or tasks that we may have, whether it be writing a legislator, whether it be uh, setting up a kiosk somewhere to create, continue the education and the grassroots efforts. Um, you know, we take contributions. So if they if they're not someone that really wants to get involved or or volunteer, there's always a, an area of contribution. Um, you know, I, I give to my church and my community uh, every month. I, I give to the family community every month. And, it, you know, some people are like that as well. And if they want to give through contributions rather through volunteer, that's always acceptable as well. One of the things that interests me reading some of the articles that were linked on your website was I had, I guess, an unfair stereotype um, thinking that this would be mostly fathers who were part of this group and part of this movement. And there was a fascinating story on a woman named Emma Johnson, um, who her philosophy is it's hurtful for women, for mothers, um, to uh, become dependent on these payments from their ex-spouses, as opposed to having healthier children by sharing these duties and healthier self image by having their own income. And, um, I think in her situation, her ex-husband and wife, his new wife and her boyfriend, and she were all moving simultaneously together because one of them had to move for a job. And it became this unit that, um, was, you know, not what we think of as a traditional child support unit, but functioned very well. So I just wonder if you could comment on the membership of the group. Are there a lot of women involved? Is it mostly fathers? And uh, how does and you also mentioned gay couples, too. I mean, what what's the makeup of the group? Certainly, um, we, we are starting to see more of the LBGTQ community. Um, often as well moms are involved the the estrangement with these children is not discriminatory by any means emma johnson is a tremendous advocate for us her her site is moms for shared parenting.org um and she is a awesome video out there I'll, I'll send it to you after the podcast as well but you can go to her website momsforsharedparenting.org and download her her video we'd actually like to i've asked for permission for to use her video in upcoming legislation campaigns um so i'm still waiting to hear back from that that hasn't happened yet um but there are there are moms there are our aunts and uncles and grandparents and same-sex marriages when when the estrangement happens with children um many times it cuts off an entire side of a family. You know, my, my mother lost the, the relationship with her grandchildren, um, you know, for seven years. And she was a primary caregiver for my daughters going through school, getting on and off the bus, uh, before and after school. Well, well, uh, that estrangement is a ripple effect for families. And, and that's one thing we're trying to prevent. So the community is wide and large with, with, all members of families, moms, dads, um, grandparents, aunts, uncles, cousins. Um, we, we, we are all involved and we're all trying to fight this change. And, and you'll see in the New York polling, you know, we all want this. Um, so eventually we'll get there. It's just going to take the, the legwork to keep pushing forward and keep moving. Yeah, the, the disconnect to me is just stunning. The survey numbers of people in New York 
that want this versus the legislation that doesn't make it out of community. It just, it, I don't know. But also just your personal story, have, have those relationships now been able to heal the, the, the children have aged out? Like, are they back to having a relationship with their grandmother, for instance? Uh, has that been able to mend itself? Unfortunately, in my case, no. Um, and in many cases of estrangement, it doesn't necessarily heal. There are some statistics out there, um, but what the statistics don't cover is, does the um, estranged parent actually want the relationship with their children or the estranged family want the relationship with their their uh, nieces and nephews. And in my case, um, my family would welcome my daughters back with open arms always. Um, sometimes when parents are going through this, they they get to a very low spot in their lives, um, which is, is difficult for them. So many times the parents don't necessarily want to reach back out. In, in my case, it's been eight years since I've spoken to either one of my daughters. Um, so it's, it's not something I'm... I hope for, I, I do hope for a relationship sometime in the future, but statistically saying it's going to become when they're more in their mid-30s, mid-40s, if it does happen at all. Wow. Well, our time has ended, but do you have any closing thoughts that you'd like to leave our listeners with? Certainly. Uh, everybody, if, if you're involved and you're getting involved and you would like to go to sharedparenting.org, um, my email is jasonhalk at sharedparenting.org. Anything you can do, we can always use your help. Um, we're going to be emailing out a blast for legislators to email their, for each constituent to email their legislator. So we have that upcoming. Um, you know, get involved, reach out, speak to me. Um, whether you're going through it and you want to talk to me on a personal level and try to help alleviate some of the pain and, and going through the separation of a parent and a child, uh, you're more than welcome to reach out there as well. Um, I've been there. I've been through it. I'm here. I'm on the rebound side and I'm fighting for the cause for the children in New York. Uh, quick shout out to Mackenzie and Remington. Love you both. And I uh, hope to see you again someday. <laughs>